Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. So what's up this week, Tyler King? Uh, got some some good stuff in the works. We we shipped some stuff from the interns uh, last over the last week or so. So I won't dive into every little specific, but like three kind of things that are not a huge deal but you know out of 20,000 users there'll be like a hundred people that love each of these things um, and so it's just nice to kind of bit by bit remove some of the rough edges of the software nice anything uh, in particular that you want to share um I'll just give one example not because this is more important than anything else but just to highlight like the the severity of these so like we used to have you could set like I'm in us date and time format or international date and time format. So it's either 12 hour clock with an AM PM and date month or month, date, year, month, day, year, or a 24 hour clock and day, month, year. But they were kind of tied together. I didn't realize at the time we made that decision that some people like like a 12 hour clock, but a, a day, month, year, or like that these, these two things should be separate. So we just separated them out. So for example, I think in Canada and the UK, it's pretty common for people to mix and match these however they want. So, you know, it's like, it's not a game changer. It's not going to blow anyone's mind, but it's just one less thing to be annoyed about, which given our name is less annoying CRM, you know, I feel good about that. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I mentioned on a previous episode that I have a much better appreciation for the challenges with date pickers and time pickers mm-hmm. and formatting those and being able to make sense of them and reporting and all that good stuff. So I know that that's small, but it's actually a big thing. Yeah. Well, especially like one way to look at that type of feature is, okay, we aren't properly internationalized. And so someone in certain, some country might not love it, but it's a small country and there aren't a lot of people there. A different way is though they are using it because every software ignores them. And it's just kind of like, a nice thing to do for your fellow human to respect their like localization settings. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, that was nice to do. Uh, I will give my kind of regular price increase update. Cause as a reminder, a few weeks ago, we went from $10 a month to 15 only for, um, for new users. Listener Rick is just having an allergy attack over here. He muted his microphone, but, it's not going well for him. Are you all right? <laughs> I'm alive, but man, You're alive. I don't think I don't think that's going to be the last one. All right. <laughs> Hopefully, the allergies don't kill you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What are you allergic to? I don't know, but it, whatever. Whenever I go for a run outside for like the next thirty minutes, I'm sneezing uncontrollably. I guess Yikes. like there's sagebrush here. I don't know exactly what it is. Run with a mask. I don't know if that would actually help. Yeah, you know, I thought I thought about that actually. I was not running really? with a mask. Yeah, I should, <laughs> especially like an N95 mask. Yeah, that that'd probably work. Um, so anyway, uh, price increase. I don't think it's related to the price increase, but we have had a decline in free trial signups uh, over the last week or so. I think it's mostly that. I don't know what your experience with Google AdWords has been, but with us. Every time you make a change, you run a risk. Like they basically just randomize the algorithm or something. 
And you're on a risk that like if we were on a really good roll for the last few months with AdWords where low cost per click, really qualified traffic, we tried to increase the budget because we raised our prices and we can pay more now and whatever, it just killed our Google AdWords. So uh, I think I don't think it's like one way to interpret this is now our price is $15. People are less likely to sign up and it's hurting our free trial signups. It could be a little bit of that, but I think it's more just other unrelated things, I hope. Yeah, I always hope. Are we, yeah. How how will you find out? Are you going to try to root cause it and figure out what the actual cause is? Or are you just going to watch it and see if it continues? Yeah, probably one and then the other. You can just sneeze, man. <laughs> oh, man. Can you tell I'm fighting one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this is riveting radio. It's talking about the faces you're making. Um. No, yeah, I I think it's easy to overreact to stuff where, like, uh, other things. It's August. This is probably the biggest vacation month of summer for most people. So people tend to sign up for SAS less. There's lots of reasons maybe our signups are dropping. So I don't want to overreact and do a bunch of work if if then, like, in September, things just go back to normal. So I'll probably wait it, wait it out for a month. And if things are still looking bad, I'll then do the root cause stuff. Cool. That makes sense. So watch it until it it is less than just a blip. Right. Cause th- this is one of those things in the early days, you can't help, but like react to every little thing. But a- after you've done it long enough, you just see these things happen all the time. And most of the time there's, there's nothing to be learned. It's just like waited out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, it sounds like everything's going well and you just need to watch it for a while. And hopefully everything just sort of smooths out over the next 30 days. Yeah. And we just had our best July ever. And the best month we've had since late 2018. So uh, July was really good for us. And August is going to be really good. Our our pipeline's great right on now. A, on a unit basis or on a revenue basis? Uh, what do you mean by a unit basis? Uh, unit as in user um, or, or revenue as in like new sales. Like what, what, what constitutes uh, a, a better, like are you comparing number of customer signups? Yeah, we added more users slash revenue in July than in a normal July. The, the reason I ask is because you now have a higher pricing. Yeah. And so it could, like, you could have like a worse month in terms of users, but a mm. better month in terms of revenue, which wasn't like you couldn't have had that before. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, that'll, that won't really kick in until the end of August because those people are still on their free trials. Everyone who's paying us now is still paying us $10, but I hear what you're saying. I need to start thinking in those terms. Um, but July was really good. August should be good because, you know, the, the, the new paying users we get in August are the ones who signed up for free trials in July. Mm-hmm. So July, we had a lot of free trial signups, but I can tell September is shaping up to be pretty bad because our free trial signups now aren't, aren't as strong, hmm. but that's how it goes. Yep. Yep. yep what about yep. you? Um, well, I want to hear about Sococo. I, I, I look forward to this every, every week and, I just think this is an awesome idea. So uh, if you if you have tuned into previous episodes, Tyler has tried out this thing called SoCoco, and it is basically a virtual reality, two-dimensional virtual reality uh, for um, an office space. So basically, if you're remote employees, which we all are right now, um, you can create a, a bird's eye view of an office and have a little avatar each employee has a, it's a, his or her own avatar and can walk around in different rooms and pop into different, um, you know, working areas or desks um, and sort of experience uh, via video when you go into those 
the other people in that room. There's even a water cooler, for example. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's the most boring ge- version of The Sims ever, but that's more or less it. Um, yeah, so I sent out a feedback form to all the employees. So we had been on it for maybe 10 days. They have a two two week free trial. So we were running up against that. So I sent out a form, just a Google survey thing to the team to see how they liked it. Uh, I didn't get a response from everybody, but of the people who responded, which was, I don't know, 70% of the company, the I gave four rating options. Like, I don't like it and would be upset if we keep using it. I don't like it, but don't don't mind using it. I like it, but wouldn't be upset if we stopped. Or I like it and would be upset if we stopped. Everyone either gave, they gave one of the top two. So everyone liked it. About half of the people who responded were like, I would be upset if we stopped. And about half were like, I don't, I wouldn't be upset. So entirely positive feedback. Um, Everyone's a little embarrassed because it feels so gimmicky to be playing this dumb video game where you're just walking around the office. But I mean, basically everyone said, yeah, like it actually makes me feel more connected. Like even if you just sit in your own, everyone has their own private office. They don't have to. You can set up the floor plan in different ways, but we have it so everyone has a private office. Even if you're in there and you're not talking to anyone, people kind of said in this feedback form, they were like, just seeing other dots, like each person is a little dot on the map. Seeing those dots in their own private offices made me feel like I was working in a room next to them instead of just like in theory, there are human beings out in the world that are my coworkers, but I have no sense of connection to them at all, you know? Yeah, it, it it provides context for your working relationship. So if someone's out of the office, you know they're out of the office. If they're working, you know they're working. And you know, based on where they're working, you know whether they're open to be interrupted or not. It's mm-hmm. it's really interesting. Yeah, I, I uh, that's cool. I, I'm not surprised by the feedback. Um, was there any sort of, did you ask for any sort of uh, qualitative feedback after that mm-hmm. rating? And did you get anything interesting? Yeah, I got a handful of things. Mostly people were kind of, in unison about it being good. And uh, most people say it created more interactions with coworkers than it would have otherwise. Just like we have what we call the co-working space, which is just a room with couches. And again, it's just your dot goes on the couch. It's like, you're not actually sitting on a couch, but that got people talking. Like we've always had an always on Google meet that anyone could join to talk with each other. But just no one did. It's so hard to say, I'm going to go join this Google Meet, engage in this conversation. Um, but with this, it just looks like you go sit on a couch. For some reason, it just triggers our brains to think, oh, yeah, I'll go talk to that person because you can see other people are in there and stuff. So everyone said, uh, not everyone, most people said there were a few interactions they wouldn't have had otherwise. The main point of contention, one of the questions I asked was, do you prefer doing audio as the default, which to me is one of the big things that Sokoko brought to us is before everything was a video chat, which is sort of heavyweight. With Sokoko, you can just be in a room and like have the mic on, but no one can see you or anything. So I said, do you prefer audio chat or video chat? And that was actually pretty split. So that's the main thing that we still have to figure out is like, what should the norms be around that? Yeah, I could see how it could be invasive for some people to have their video on. But if you're in a, if you're in an area where I mean, if you're in a private room, that's totally like that. It makes sense not to have video there. But if you're in a, I mean, if you're in, if you're choosing to work out in the open, it seems like everything should be open. I, I sort of, it, that, that makes sense intuitively. 
but I don't think it works that way. It seems like having video chat on should be the same as just being in person, but I don't think it is that way. Like if your if your webcam's pointed at you, you have no idea who's looking at you. So you sort of always have to present yourself as if you're being observed. Whereas in person, you can be sitting at your desk and be like, no one's around, or if they are, they're looking the other way, and I'm, I'm going to slouch, and I'm going to make a dumb face as I think through this problem. But when you're on a webcam, it just feels like you're performing the whole time, I think. That's interesting. That's a good point. Maybe maybe they're... The f- there's a lot of interesting um, features that Sococo could build to address that, such as, mm-hmm. like, you know, and I'm a big Call of Duty uh, Warzone gamer, and if anyone listening is, feel free to ping me, and we will uh, grab a grab a match. Um, <laughs> but but uh, you know they 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 have an option with this is just for mics, but push to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I turn it off because it's really annoying when you're in a gunfight to have to like push another key to talk to someone to save your life, you know? And, uh, but like if they had a push to video chat, that would be pretty interesting. And they actually are almost that. I, I agree with you. That would be even better. They do make it really easy to toggle. You just kind of toggle it on and off with a keyboard shortcut, but it, it does take a second to connect. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. There are things they could do with that. One other aspect of this video slows down your computer quite a bit. So with if you're like, okay, there's this one hour session where we're going to be working together for the week, that's going to be my social interaction for the week. I think it's easy to say, let's turn video on. And really, this is more about the social exchange. But some people are going and sitting in the co-working space in Sokoko all day, most days. You don't want to have a video running and slowing your computer down. So that's another nice thing about audio is it's just on in the background. Most of the time, no one's talking, just like in a real office. If someone says something, you hear it. And then you can go turn your mic on and start talking back. That's cool. Yeah, like I, the the audio is making more sense to me um, mm-hmm. after you explained it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't think I'm being very subtle about what my preference is. Like, I prefer audio, but we're going to go with audio as the default. But I need to figure out ways. The people who want video, they're what they're saying is like, I never see any humans. Like, it's especially people who live by themselves and stuff. And they're like, I want to see other human beings, and this is my only way to do it. So. Give, give it to me. And so we need to figure out a way for those people to get what they need to. Totally. Well, maybe you have a room where it's always like the rule is like you always have video on in this room. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We are, te- we're testing out uh, over the next couple of weeks, like scheduled open office time. So rather than just go hang out whenever you want, it's like on your calendar. I was still planning on that being audio only, but maybe we make those video and then the unscheduled ones are audio. Cool. I, I want to keep hearing about Sococo. It's super interesting to me. Um, so as you as you learn more about it, like keep keep us up yeah, to date. I'll do that. And I just we just like paid. We converted at the end of the trial, so we're we're committed. Not committed, but like we're bought in. Cool. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. How about you? What's been going on with you? So I, you know, last week we did a deep dive on the positioning framework presented in. April Dunford's obviously book, obviously awesome. So um, I did take notes on that book. If you're interested, you can check them out on my personal website, ricklinquist.com. I worked through that this week. So uh, I, I, just to recap, the, the framework is at a very high level. I'm simplifying it. The fir- one of the first things you do in order to have to do this is you identify your best customers and 
kind of keep them in mind through the process. And I've, I, I listed those and interestingly, 50% of them purchase health insurance on their own before purchased health insurance on their own. They went alone, uh, prior to moving forward, leg up health as their agent. And then 50% did not did had an agent previously and switched their agent to, to leg up health. So, and then, Oh, sorry, that's not true. 50% were alone. About 30% were um, people who had an agent previously. And then another the other 20% were people who were buying health insurance the first time because of a professional change. So it was pretty interesting to sort of see that, see that going into it. But the first, there, there's basically five steps. The first step is uh, identify your, comp- um, your competitive alternatives. And I had no idea how valuable that, that exercise would be. I think one thing I did coming into leg up health that I that I wouldn't have done in a different industry is I assumed given my knowledge from people keep because I did so much competitive research there and I you know I definitely have a I have an ego associated with my knowledge um acquisition and domain expertise there I didn't do as much competitive research once I started leg up health I sort of skipped over it I just sort of validated some things that I knew to be true and but didn't really deep dive Man, I went into a competitive alternative deep dive this this week, and I got really bummed out when I went through it because I realized, holy crap, there's a whole lot of competition. Hmm. Um, the number one competition is do it alone, and that's people who you know you're using healthcare.gov, no agent. They're you know googling, they're calling the health insurance company directly, something like that. Um, the, the you know there that's that's one comp- group of competitive alternatives. The other one is these online. These are the people I'm really familiar with. The, there are these online health insurance agencies that, uh, um, you know, basically have built technology to convert you online, like e-commerce, e-commerce, co- making health insurance an e-commerce function. Um, e-health insurance is one of those. Go Health, Get Insured, um, you know, Kind Health is a new one. But they, uh, you know, oh, you know that. So that that wasn't surprising to me. But when I got into the you know buy from a local agent category, which was an, the third most popular category of competitive alternatives, I got a little bit nervous because a lot of there's a lot of health insurance agents in your backyard if you're in the U.S. who have 150 reviews on Google of how awesome they are um, and 400 to thousand clients already. Um, but you know, look, you know, once I looked further. I realized all oh, these people are also doing group health insurance um, and that sort of thing. Um, the you know there are some other com- uh, uh, competitive alternatives, but I went through that and I got really down. So then I um, started li- listing out the features. So I I listed out how people were positioning themselves, um, and I mean it bummed me out even more because it was like, man, I'm if this is a lot of what I'm doing. There's very few little differentiation, but then I started looking at their reviews. I looked at their Glassdoor reviews. I looked at their Indeed reviews. I looked at their Facebook reviews, and I did it across all of the pieces. I even looked at reviews for healthcare.gov, which is the do it alone <laughs> category. Oh my gosh, they are they are so bad, and it's so interesting. The people who like you know, give good reviews are people who basically wanted to be told what to buy, and I don't think that's someone that Leg Up Health is designed to serve in the first place because that's not what we do. We don't say, "Hey, like." You're stupid. You should. You don't need. We know better than you. You're. You're. Here's the plan for you. Um, that's probably not our approach. Our approach is someone who actually wants to put some energy into understanding where their ten thousand dollars a year is going. Um, and th- those people are leaving reviews like uh, 
I, this was the worst experience of my life. I'm never using an agent again. Hmm. Um, they're using it. They're, they're leaving reviews like this was the like I felt like I felt slimy after I dealt with these guys. Um, this was the worst experience of my life. Um, I you know and they you know and then even the people that went to Alcatraz Gov were like one guy was like I I'm a I apologize to all the DMV people uh, personnel that I've insulted over the years. <laughs> this is worse. <laughs> like, I, I mean, so, and, and then, you know, there, there's uh, you go to the glass door reviews and it gets even worse. The, you know, the employees are complaining about us, you know, the environment, the people that are complaining are like, this is the worst. They, they don't care about their customers. They don't care about their employees. It's all about the sale and the enrollment. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if an employee complains about it, the person, the company responds and says, listen, buddy, we're a sales organization. If you don't like it, don't join a sales organization. So they're, wow. they're actually calling themselves sales organizations. Um, they, they t- call themselves salespeople they, then they, you know, then you've got like someone who's really happy at these companies and they're like, this is the best sales culture I've ever worked in. <laughs> And so I mean, they I, are salespeople like, and that's that when I realized sense. that I was like, oh, I, that's where I'm different. The, the, what, what I'm realizing through this is, oh my gosh, no one has come at this space with a, we're not like a no sales. We're not going to sell health insurance agent agency. You say you realize that, but that was on your, the very first page of your, the pitch deck thing that you made recently. Yeah. But I didn't realize how important that was. It was just like sort of like, yeah, I said that, but that I had all these other things I listed. But that alone, just looking at it, is the reason why we're better than healthcare.gov and better than an agent. So we're basically like go to healthcare.gov and use and we'll deal with that, but you know, get the service that you're already paying for. So it's um it's back to my original messaging, but I I kind of went through this whole I guess my point is that when you start looking at competitors, it's really it can be really um daunting and upsetting. But then when you look, but if you look closer and you start looking at what people are saying, not just their websites, you look at the, at how you're different. Um, it gets, it got me excited again. So I'm like cool. full, I went through a full cycle of like uh, dread to like excitement again on like a pelt with more clarity on why, why I think like a pelt should exist. Nice. And if I'm, I'm hearing you probably you should have done this when you started this and it was kind of weird personal circumstances that you didn't, but like if you're giving advice to someone do this earlier in the process than you did. I think so. Um, what April would say, I mean, I would be interested in what, um, like the mom test author, I think his name is Robert Fitzpatrick. What I would be interested in what he would say about that. One of the things that this was interesting is applying this positioning framework so early on is it really doesn't make sense to apply a positioning exercise prior to uh prior to uh you know having customers like that are happy and so you know i i guess i guess it's more i i guess i could have wasted time with this so i'm hesitant to say you should go do that but but maybe do a little bit more positioning i'm saying competitive research specifically because like what if you had done the research and all the reviews had been great and there wasn't this problem, you, you could have ended up in a situation where you're like, oh, I thought there was a problem to solve here and there was no problem. Well, I think I got that. I, I'm, I'm thinking out loud here. I, I'm pretty sure like the mom test solved that for me by talking to people. I don't think I needed to do, I don't think you need to do competitive, competitive uh, research is a way to validate ideas. I just yeah. don't think it's a better way than the mom test. So 
I, I mean, I guess you need to do something to to validate. Yeah, you things. need to understand sort of like where you are. But like once you start talking to people and asking them what they do, they do the competitive research for you. If you do a good mom test interview uh, like thirty times, you should get a pretty good idea of what the competitive alternatives were. I think that deep dive, that next deep dive is. I think I probably did it at the right time. I, I you know, I, I, uh, but I, 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 it surprised me. I guess given that I thought I knew more than I knew, how much yeah. I, I didn't know. Interesting. Cool. Well, that's good that you're you're back to the good part of the roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, it's crazy, and uh, I, I'm not done with it yet. I'm I'm just now listing out unique features. But like, when your primary value proposition is you're not sales, what are you like? Is that, you know, what's the feat? What are the features that matter? Well, this is probably too simplistic, but when you were talking, what the tagline that I was hearing in my head is this is what an agent is supposed to be. Like when you say a blank agent, you think it's someone who's an expert who's helping me with this, not it's someone who's only job, they're just like a contracted sales rep for this company. Uh, everyone thinks that's what an agent is, even if they, their experience tells them otherwise. What are the proof points of that? So, you know, you, usually you'd go to a software company like Salesforce. I think of them and they say they were no software, right? And they're, yeah. and their big, their feature was in the cloud, you know? And then they were like, you can make changes in real time, 24 seven access, uh, subscription fees. They had all these proof points of like why they were not software, even though they technically were, but you know, not yeah. on-premise software. Right. What's the, what's, what's the version of that for leg of health? Well, I mentioned this last week about less annoying CRM that we do when we were talking about positioning, we do the a thing you're not supposed to do, which is that we just say we're better. You're supposed to be able to say we're better because um, yeah. I'm, I'm but, looking for like what the because is. Right. But I just to like think through this, like I don't have one exactly like we had this conversation a week ago where I said we say we're simple. We actually are. But everyone can say that, so that's not a great marketing pitch. You point it, you responded with, well, you have good, you have a low price and you have good customer service. So if you go on our website, there's three things, which is a pretty common format for landing pages. Simple and meant for small businesses, low price, good customer service. I do question, does the simple one actually contribute to our message since it's hard to prove? So I don't have an answer for you. That's just me talking through. I have the same problem you have here. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So you actually just gave me the answer. Focus Focus is a really good one. We focus. We focus just on individual health insurance. I cannot find a, another company. There's very few of them, if there are any, that just focus on individual health insurance. They're, they, they, they get distracted with all these other things. Like Straight Health is probably the best solution out there for individual health insurance. Mm-hmm. But but they're getting into like taxes, like you know, tracking right. taxes for independent contractors. You know, Kind Health is really good too, but they're selling you know life insurance. You know, and 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 then all these local independent agents. When you look close, they're actually you know selling group health insurance. They're not selling individual health insurance. So focus actually is a really good one. We focus on individuals and we mm-hmm. focus on health insurance and we focus I, on Utah. I still think so. That's all good. I could almost maybe imagine two rows. Like one is who are we for, who we're for, and one is why are we actually better? Yeah. For the why we're actually better one, one approach I could imagine you taking is you kind of presenting yourself against these alternatives where you're like, you know, the alternative is just a sales rep who doesn't know what they're talking about that isn't interested in helping you. Or healthcare.gov. Or healthcare.gov. Why should you trust? There's so many parallels, by the way, because we have, we're competing with Excel and we're competing with Salesforce. Our Excel is your healthcare.gov. Yep. But like one thing you could do is here's why 
like you should sort of believe it. One is no commissions, right? Are, you don't have employees yet, but when you do, if you say there's no commissions, that says to me, the person I'm talking to is not really motivated to sell me. And like, maybe there's more things like that. Yeah. Okay. That's good. We do this when new hires start where like we're trying to, we hire these idealistic college students for internships and we're like, every business says they're good. Why should you believe us? And we're like, well, we we're bootstrapped. We, we just don't have to be greedy. We still have to prove ourselves to you, but we don't have to be bad the way others do. Yeah. I like this. It's like the things that are coming to mind is non-commissioned staff. You know, you no no one will be paid based on what you pick, pick any plan you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you know whether we whether we make money or not, and then, uh, you know, I think want, one is get you, they can get value from you before you become their their agent. Like just if if you want to try us out, try us out for right. free until and and make us the agent when you're ready. Yeah, enroll and, and enroll anywhere. Enroll through healthcare.gov. Enroll direct or enroll through our tools. We do not care. Just we can be your agent no matter what. Yeah. I'm sure you'll refine it like and get better than that, but that seems like a pretty decent starting point to me. No, that's really helpful. Um, so oh, there's another question I wanted to ask you. Oh, uh, this is actually a statement that I wanted to make. I'm, I am, um, so I, I, one of the person with really high reviews uh, that's a competitor here in Utah, local agent, I won't say if it's she or he, but they uh, have, you, they, they're, they're like, we're focused on individual health insurance, all that sort of stuff. You go into the site and you click like get a consultation and they charge $40 for an individual health insurance consultation. Whoa. Yeah. So like she's, he, they, I don't know who, uh, I'm trying to be, you gave it away. <laughs> this person, <It's> okay. <laughs> this person, um, and her, I mean, the, her, you their, said, we know, <laughs> we know the gender here. <laughs> she, uh, and her staff charge $40 for individual health insurance. And then right underneath it, they offer a free consult one hour consultation for small business owners for group <laughs> health insurance. Interesting. I mean, so I, I immediately go, this person is not like, I don't have to worry about this person anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Now you could also look at that and be like, they're apparently pretty successful and they've decided that that makes sense. So maybe five years from now you'll be like, yep, I'm charging a $40 consultation too, but. We'll not. see. Maybe that's a promise I'll make. It's actually an interesting way to signify quality to say, we we have your money whether we sell you or not. This isn't a sales call now. This is a consultation. Mm, interesting. I'm not saying you should do that, but if they if, if it's working for them, great. The way it was positioned was not like, so we aren't biased because when you see it, it just shows like how much people would... If you're a consumer out there and you're talking to, to an agent who does both group health insurance and individual age health insurance. If you've got, if you're about to die and you need help, but there's a, a small group owner that they're on the phone with that small group owner pay, takes priority. Like, yeah, <laughs> they, like that, they get the free service. They get yeah. the extra time. You do not. They, I mean, it's second class. Yeah. Something you're never going to be able to like, you're never going to say this to a customer of your, a client of yours, just because why, why would it come up? But your business model is built around the idea that you can use technology to take a process that's inefficient right now and make it more efficient such that you can be profitable doing things that isn't profitable for other people to do. Totally. Right? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's exactly right. It's exactly what you've done too. We're basically going to build a... 
we're going to use technology, apply it to this problem, and and, and we're not going to raise money so that we can run the business in a way that gives us competitive advantages and do because we can do things, make promises, act nor, like in a way that that other companies want. Yeah. Well, so it's awesome to know a high quality agent out there that's successful is charging this money and their clients are still happy. That's just pure opportunity for you. Offer the same level of service, give the $40 back to the customer. You've got a business. You got it. Cool. That's exciting. <laughs> so that's uh, that's my update. I'm hoping to get through that this weekend. I, I'm halfway through the framework, but I'm at the hardest part. But I'm realizing, yeah, I'm a health insurance agent. And I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I told you this last week, but... My wife came in and said, I'm still coming to terms with you being a health insurance agent. I thought this business was going to be a tech business. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. That's harsh. She said it with a smile on her face. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It will be. I mean, it'll morph. Five years from now, it'll be a tech business. And right now, you're a health insurance agent. Yep. Got to start somewhere. Yep. Cool. Anything else? Uh, You got some other updates here. That was a long update. I, I really appreciate you talking through that with me and listening to me. I... I, I, I just want to call out that if you haven't, um, maybe you're further along, maybe you aren't, but if you haven't done a positioning exercise, I, I've it's taken a lot of time this week, but the April in her book recommends doing it every six months, um, whether or not anything has changed. I highly recommend the process because I think it's resulting in a lot more confidence moving forward for me than I would have had otherwise. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm at 15 clients, uh, little less than a thousand dollars in revenue at this point to put that in context per month. Hmm. Yeah, I know I need to do one. I've it's never just, done this before. There's never, there's never a good time. It just, if, and it's very depressing. Like there's this emotional process that you go through as you realize, man, there's other people out there thinking about this similarly to how you are. But at the end of it, you, you do discover this special way that, that you see the world differently and that you can win. Yeah. I'll try to make some time for. I realize you were talking to the generic audience, but I, you were talking to me too. <laughs> yep. I'll uh, I'll try to find time to do that maybe later this year, hopefully. Uh, cool. Let's uh, Slack. Com- I wanted to update on the Slack community. So we talked about um, building communities previously. Maybe we'll deep di- dive deeper on that at, at some point as a topic. But I I basically decided with the path of least resistance um, and least effort, uh, and that is just basically leaving the Slack community as it is and not adding anyone new to it. But you know, le- you know, leveraging it as it makes sense to for my initial beta users who are kind enough to sign up for it. Yeah. Probably the, that the outcome is it fizzles out that way. Is that what you're expecting? It fizzles out, or you know, it turns into something more down the road based on actual problems being solved versus me wanting to have an audio a, a community. Yeah, I just mean like with any community that's not actively being pushed, I feel like gravity pulls it towards eventually fizzling out. So as long as you're comfortable with that being one of the possibilities. I most of the people in there have really strong relationships with, so it's our it's actually our primary communication tool. So, oh, okay, well, yeah, it's interesting. Like, there's people on there who I reconnected with or got to know over Leg Up Health, um, and them becoming beta customers, and now we chat regularly in there uh, about non Leg Up Health stuff. So, I don't know. That's kind of an interesting thing that's happened. It's funny how Slack does that because, like, you and I have a Slack workspace for this podcast, which is just the two of us. And it's like, why are we using that instead of texting or whatever other chat option? But we do. So it's kind of like you have a different little Slack 
icon for each each of your friends almost <laughs> exactly uh yeah so that's that is um positioning the only other update i have and then i, I think you have one or two more um is that my internships are wrapping up uh, next week um as i mentioned i, I had s- six summer interns uh working about 10 to 20 hours per week non-paid starting in july and sort of wrap or starting in june and wrapping up um August. One of those interns has uh, become my first team member, paid team member um, as a part-time marketing contractor and is doing a great job. Um, one, one of our interns, and I, you know, I really treated these internships as individual one-on-one sessions and hadn't really focused on building a, a team environment or having any sort of, you know, many to many relationships happen. But I, uh, one of the interns suggested that we do a get together and do a show and tell type thing. And I checked in with everyone and everyone seemed to be open to it. So, uh, we have our first all intern get together next week and it is sort of a, it'll be the, everyone is wrapping up their, everyone else, the five remaining interns are wrapping up their non-paid internships. Um, I don't expect any of them to stick around uh, on a paid basis or a non-paid basis, although there's one who's interested in doing so. Um, but they, they, you know, I'm anxious about it. I, you know, it's, it's all, you know, when you, I don't know if you ever had an experience when you were little where you had friends, different friends from different groups and you tried <laughs> yeah. to bring them together and you wanted it to go well, but it never did. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause it takes a while to like build the trust and stuff. You have that built with both parties, but they don't have it with each other right away. Yeah. Well, what are your goals with this get together? Well, um, I didn't come up with it. I probably would have avoided it. Honestly, uh, I, okay. I I think one is to uh, is to make them. F- I th- if I had to state goals right now, it'd be one: thank them, uh, you know, one to many, me to them uh, as a group for their effort and share some uh, uh, information about how their work collectively has contributed to progress at Leg of Health um, by sort of depicting. I'm getting into how I'm doing, you know, by, by showing sort of where we were when they started and where we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to give each person an opportunity to, to share what they've been working on and, and just feel good about that. Uh, and may, maybe get some attaboys from peers. I, I want them to, to know, uh, have a face and a name with each other. So they, you know, if they choose to, they, and they need, they want to help, you know, help one another, ask for help from one another outside of leg up health down the road, they can. Um, and, uh, I ultimately would just want them to leave feeling good about their, you know, being an intern at leg up health. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cause you sent me like the agenda mm-hmm. and I think you will achieve those goals, but not achieve other goals that you could potentially have. Okay. Which is to say like, well, do you want to go, what is the plan for the, the get together? The get together. It's basically a one and a half hour meeting. I was very cautious not to schedule more than an hour and a half. Um, and then uh, I'll do some opening remarks uh, along the lines of what I just discussed. Uh, then uh, each intern will take 10 minutes to sort of tell a little bit about themselves um, and share what they've been working on and share what they've learned with the internship. We'll do some question and answers after they do that. 10 minute cap per person and go through all the interns, uh, Zoom meeting style. And then uh, at the end, I'll do some closing remarks and uh you know wish everyone well 
Yeah, I think that I mean, I think that makes sense. It'll get what you wanted. And I think it's not risky or hard is what I like about this. Like you don't you have to give some remarks, which is I don't think that hard for you to do. But then the rest of it's like, go present your thing. You get recognized. It's it's multiple people seeing it, which feels good. And then, like you said, face to a name. Now, I think what you're missing out on here, which is fine, is they're not really going to get to know each other at all, because I think to really like if next summer you have interns and you start this type of thing at the beginning of the summer, what I'd say is you want back and forth, not just like one to many presentation mode, but it's kind of too late in the summer for you to do that. And it doesn't sound like you really care about like, you know, they're part time interns and they started late. Like, it's just not the right time for that. So I think this makes sense. But I would just say like that's I would probably do something different from this if it were next summer and you were trying to like establish a culture and stuff. I can't wait to reflect more thoughtfully on this. But that's one of the big things that I recognized is I. I didn't realize how much the interns wanted to get to know each other with that. Mm-hmm. But you know, they don't say it, but they hint at it. And I uh, I underestimated how valuable getting to know each other could be to them as part of the internship. I, I guess I thought I, I saw that as just more work for everyone that they wouldn't enjoy. But I think that I think that this is just um, there's a bias I have towards you know working alone. Yeah. And and uh, but but at the same time, like if I really apply, if I really think through this, like can you, I'd want to meet all the other interns if I were working at a company because I'd want to know maybe they're friends in there, maybe they're uh, maybe maybe there's someone who can help me, maybe there's some someone that I might learn something from. And uh, it's so I definitely um, I think I screwed up there. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll do diff- that. I will make that part of the internship, uh, probably, um, offering is get to know some really smart people, um, from across the country, yeah. uh, as, as a value proposition of the internship. But I saw it as pure costs going into it. Yeah. Which I think kind of makes sense. We didn't even do as much of that this summer either. Cause coming into the summer, normally we invest heavily in that, but we were like, when, at the time that the summer started, our sales were tanking and, I was like, I, we don't have time to to just make this a, a fun summer camp for you. Like, this is a serious time where we, we need to focus on the business. Now, by the end of the summer, it actually turns out we're fine. And that's not a big deal. But we, we made kind of the same decision where it's hard. It takes a lot of work to build that type of culture. And especially since you're not really hiring any of them. I mean, you're, you're hiring one as a part-time contractor, but not you're not making any full-time hires. So it's not a long-term investment for you either way. No, and this was a definitely something that was. I think it'll be interesting when they start. To, I'm going to ask for a lot of feedback from each individual, um, but I, it'll be interesting to see what feedback I get on whether this was a valuable time or not. That sort of thing. Um, I think overall, like my goal with offering internships was one: learn if it's valuable for like a health to provide value to the interns. I think I've accomplished most of those ob- those objectives, and mm-hmm. um, you know. There's a lot of opportunity, sort of, to make it better next time. I am, I, I did, I think I'm going to. I was thinking about offering fall internships, but I, I think I'm going to pause and just focus and and uh, push it, make this a summer thing. I think that makes a lot of sense. Interns are good in moderation, but if you're just constantly spending your time overseeing other people, you never get your own work done. Totally. Cool. Um. The uh, final update I had here, I really, we're just, this is just going to be a full update episode, I guess. Um, I've mentioned before that we're kind of moving to Webflow, uh, which is like this kind of no-code website builder thing. So we're building, we're, our app is going to stay obviously custom code, but the marketing site, the help site, the blog, things like that are all moving into Webflow. 
So I think we're actually getting pretty close to the first phase of this. Um, we're kind of running up against a common dilemma, which is it's a pretty big project to move our whole site over to Webflow because over the years we've accumulated you know, hundreds of blog posts and all this like custom code that you know, we just have to do something about. So what we're going to do for our first phase is uh, Eunice, uh, who's the person on the team running this project, she's building our help site in Webflow right now. We're going to make put that at help.lessonwingserum.com. So right now it's on www. It's going to move to help, just the help site. And then we're going to deploy that, get it all working, and then gradually move the rest of the site to help, and then flip the switch for, and move help to www and kill the old www one. No? Uh, that's really uh, that's really dangerous SEO-wise. Well, sorry. Okay, so I glossed over some things. I don't okay. think we have much SEO with our help site. Like, we don't have a ton of organic traffic going into our help site. We won't flip the switch on the blog or the places that do have SEO until it's on www. So those will never move to help. We'll move them over, but they will no links will point to them. They will not be indexed by search engines. But the, the point is like we need to break a big project into small ones. So I think we're going to deploy the help site, move everything else over, but not like quote unquote deploy it and then go to www with everything all at once. So I would I would do exactly what you're saying, except there's no reason to deploy like just keep help that um less crm.com private. Password well, protector or something? There is some urgency to get that project done. Okay, why? Um, so that you have better help site? A better help site. And in particular, when people contact us right now, pe- people don't really go to the help site organically. They get there through our app. They, they're in our app. They click help. And right now it's like a contact form. And like it's a two-column thing. Contact us or search our help documents. The, the, the searching the help documents is so bad that basically no one ever finds what they're looking for. And I think we can remove quite a bit of customer service time by making that a lot better right now. And I think it's going to take months before everything else is moved over. Okay. If it was like a week or two, I'd be like, yeah, we'll just wait a week or two, but it's not going to be that. That's helpful. That's helpful context. You have two problems that you're solving. One is, you know, you want to be on Webflow long-term for allowing more collaboration and innovation across the company, with, especially with non-technical, non-coders on uh, the lessannoyingcrm.com marketing website. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, you separately, you, you also have this other problem, which is your help site is not nearly as helpful as it could be. Um, and you, you know, a coder has to be involved to improve it. And uh, yeah, so I, that makes total sense. Um, yeah, and there's no way to get around that. You have, you have to do a subdomain for sure. We were actually, like, originally the plan was to just use one of these third-party hosted knowledge-based tools instead of Webflow. But the main thing we saw is, like, well, this will be an opportunity to practice Webflow. Like, Eunice has our header and our footer built, which is the same header and footer. So, like, a lot of the work is duplicative, or the opposite of duplicative, I guess. So Unless you're going to work with an integrated knowledge center, it... Webflow beats it because yeah. I was just, I was funny that you say that. Cause I was working this, on this the other day. I was thinking like, man, I really am limited in terms of how I can no code improve help scouts knowledge center. Right. But it's really nice to have all their analytics and, and their tool, their knowledge center uh, tools built into the help scout platform because I'm using help scout. So it's not worth moving away from, but if I were on front and I wanted a knowledge center and 
I didn't like any of the ones that integrate with the front, I would definitely consider Webflow. Yeah, the the really hard thing about web, I shouldn't say really hard, the, da- the thing you lose, like you said, you lose the analytics, you lose all the specialized knowledge base stuff. So analytics, so people have never used a third party knowledge base, it'll tell you, for example, like, here are the things people are searching for that don't return results, you need to write help articles about these things. That's really nice, which I don't have right now. But also being able to include embed this in your app. So we want people to be able to search this in the app with Webflow, you can't do that. I don't think. So what we're doing, we're going to use a separate tool called, there are a handful of these. I think we're going to go with Swift type, which is a, it, it's like a site search tool. So it indexes all of the content in our Webflow help site. And then it gives us this little search widget, which we can then embed in our app. So we're going to have, it's going to look like the, the help, the knowledge base is embedded in our app because anyway, Webflow plus Swift type. So it's, it's complicated, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with the the way it's going so far. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I, it'd be interesting to see, well, worst case, like I, I would, I would just be safe uh, and just check your traffic, make sure yeah. you're, you're not getting any sales uh, from your help site. Cause I wouldn't be surprised if one of your help articles is during revenue right now. And which case, I looked into this. Okay. You might want to keep that one up uh, where it, you could, you could, one thing you could do is leave your existing help site up and just sort of duplicate the contact content until you're comfortable with Webflow. Um, there's a challenge, like there's downsides of that. But anyway, it sounds like you got a plan. And worst case, you're going to throw away your Webflow project and and move to a uh, a knowledge base. Well, uh, no, we're we're going with Webflow at this point. But 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 it, like, we like, have the same SEO problem either way. I yeah, guess. exactly. Anyway, yeah. what what you're saying is very much on my mind. I'm really no- I'm less nervous about the help side. I looked this up in the last six months. We've had 45 free trial users that landed on the help site as their landing page, which is not nothing. I'm going to try not to lose them, but if we lose 45 over the last six months, that's very very minor. Yep. But what I'm really nervous about is there's going to come a point where we do this like to our blog, and we get a lot more stuff to that and like other pages. So. Yep. Yeah, we're we're not going to move to the help subdomain, but probably the URLs are going to need to change so, yeah. because our URLs right now don't make any sense, and Webflow is not going to support that that format. I'm guessing. What are you? Are they numbers? What are they? Some of the old ones are. Yeah, I, that'll actually improve your search results. How switching? So? Um, switching to like like semantic oh, slugs. Like, yeah, like what Google likes um, in terms of. Uh, context-driven slugs yeah, yeah. like you're gonna that's do what better. we've been doing for the last like five years but we have a handful of blog posts that we wrote in like 2012 that still get we don't have any blog posts that get a lot of traffic but there's like a handful that get a hundred a month or something and when you add enough of those together it's thousands of visitors a month coming to our site that i'm hoping we don't lose but we'll see <laughs> cool all right uh we took up some time with these updates you have a topic you want to you want to discuss with our remaining time here? Well, I just want to do a shout out real quick to listeners. We we haven't done a listener topic in a little while. So if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover, reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, if it's a fit, we'll we'll ask you for more context and about the you know around the situation you're in, and then uh, we'll bring that to the podcast and discuss it. Um, I've always enjoyed doing those. Um, if it yeah, if it makes sense uh, for us to cover it, and we have one or two still in the queue, right? We do, we do. Um, one is related to students and 
you know, how does the student get into entrepreneurs? And one is um, related to the cust- uh, sl- you know, building a customer community. When does it make sense? Which uh, we haven't dropped those, but uh, haven't had the right um, mindset yet to focus on them. Yeah, but if if you're one of those two people who suggested those, we're not we're not ignoring you. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Cool. Maybe uh, maybe I can we can cover. Do you have any time sensitive things like that might be stale next week? No, I don't think so. Cool. Well, I want to talk about how to maximize your first hire for the remaining time. Okay. Okay. So I've just brought Lena on full-time or not full-time, but paid. And there's definitely a a different dynamic when you're paying someone versus when they're a non-paid intern. Um, You know, I wish there wasn't, but there is. Um, She feels that I, I feel it. It's real. What, what's, what's the difference? I don't know. Like what you're working on matters more and there's like a grade almost like there's a minimum. There's like this, the way it came, like one way it's come up is like, how many hours should I work? Like, hmm. yeah, with interns, like do whatever you want to, but you don't say do whatever you want to when you're paying someone. Yeah. So like she owes you more because you're actually paying her. I, I would say that the people I'm want to hire are people who want to know that they're in good standing for what they're yeah. getting paid. Whereas the non-paid intern is probably like, I know I'm doing like, it's very easy to sort of self-evaluate and say, I'm not getting paid. I'm doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess, so I guess I'm just wondering like, do you have any tips or tricks on how to make your, you know, to, to shift from a, non-paid internship mindset to a, a you're now paid. Um, how can I make you feel more comfortable and give you the, give you the guide, the same guidelines, give you the, you know, the comfort and direction you need to feel good and confident that you're working on the right stuff and that you're in good standing, but also not lose the freedom that was provided and the, uh, sort of, uh, you know, autonomy that was provided through the non-paid internship. I guess I'm scared if I, if I'm being honest, I'm scared as I, as we shift into this of becoming a micromanager or I don't, I'd rather like, I'd rather follow Lena's lead within the box mm-hmm. that I've put, uh, versus micromanage. Does that make sense? So she asked me, for example, how many hours should I work? And I'm like, and do you want me to track it? I'm like, I'm not, I don't ever want to see how many hours you're working. And I, that's my initial reaction. And I don't, I, I don't know if that's the right answer or not. Yeah. I think this is, tough because so I've never had an unpaid intern so mm-hmm. I can't speak to that transition but I think I've done things similar in the same vein to what you're talking about so let me give you one little anecdote when we started we said unlimited vacation this was a very popular thing among startups I some somewhat still is but I think it's fallen out of favor for good reason you think you say unlimited vacation if you're getting your work done take as much vacation as you want we're going to evaluate you based on the work you get done not the number of hours you put in that's sounds good on paper, but what actually ends up happening is nobody knows what's expected of them. And so nobody takes any vacation. Uh, so we actually switched from that to, we say, you get 30 days of vacation a year like that. That's a number of days. Go take that. And we actually review it. And if someone didn't take enough, we'll be like, Hey, why aren't you taking vacation? Um, I think that's kind of like a trap you could find yourself in here where I understand not wanting to micromanage, but if you don't set expectations, 
most humans, especially young people like Lena, who don't, you know, she doesn't have much experience. She probably hasn't built a lot of confidence yet in being like, I know what I'm worth. I'm doing good enough of a job. Screw him if he's not happy with it. I think she's going to err on the side of overworking herself if you don't set those expectations. Now, I totally agree with not reviewing it. I don't think she should need to report her hours, fill out time cards, but you need to, I think, in my opinion, give her expectations on what she should be doing. Okay. And where 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 do the expectations cross go go from here's the expectations you have so that you have autonomy ver- versus here are the expectations I have so that it's micro it's micromanagement. Like do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You've done freelancing and consulting and stuff before. Did you bill by hour or by project? Project. I did too. That I mean, I've done less than you, but I like that as well. You could probably bring that mindset to this, right? You could say, we're going to meet once a week and we're going to talk about what the expectations are for the next week. Get get it done. That's one way to do it. That's that's the approach that we're taking right now. Uh, I mean, it, does it feel like you're micromanaging her? Like, no, but I, I, I now, but I think with that approach, I'm, I'm more, more moving into the, there's not enough expectations, mm. that kind of thing. So would you feel bad if you found out she worked more like you're paying her an hourly rate, I assume, or like fixed, even fixed, if you're fixed, uh, monthly stipend, but like, was there any discussion of the number yeah, of hours? Yeah. That 20, 20 ish hours. 20-ish hours. Like, would you feel bad if you found out she worked 30 hours one week? No. Should I? Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't think. I, as long not, as... I would feel bad if she worked 30 hours and didn't feel good about it. Yeah, yeah. So I think just review this periodic, like every meeting or once a month or whatever, just be like, okay, you know, we're having these meetings like we're going to set goals for you. How many, like, are you working the right number of hours? Is anything about this not, not meeting your expectations? I think you can just have a conversation. Um, now some people will be afraid to actually push back. So, you know, you need to make sure that the relationship's built on trust and she's not afraid of you, but you just gave my, my answer. I need to, it's okay. So first of all, I think I've set good expectations to start with if they're, whether or not they're clear or not is a communication challenge. Right. And that will work itself out given time to have that conversation over and over again. But if mm-hmm. I'm not, so, so my big thing is I just need to be more thoughtful. My one on ones up front going like, let's just re- like check in and build trust and not go too fast. And th- this will take care of itself over time. If, if the relationship is built on trust and you're talking about, you know, it, are things clear? How are you doing? Then you're going to solve this over time one on one. And that's all I need to, I need to worry focus on that and this will take care of itself. So thank you. Yeah. And I don't think you need to worry about micromanaging. Like you, it sounds like right now, the amount of autonomy you gave all of your interns is way more than most interns get. Micromanaging is miles away from where you are. If you're having a conversation once a week, I don't even think it matters. It could be, it could be a three hour conversation and you could ask about every little detail. You can't micromanage once a week. Micromanaging happens multiple times per day. I think. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I just don't I I know that from experience that not enough direction is awful and I know from experience that too much direction is awful. There is that sweet spot and uh, I I'm out of practice and I I don't I, and I would question whether I ever truly figured it out at people keep. Yeah, I think my instincts for this around this aren't great. 
but I made up for it with by over-communicating, which is different from micromanaging, right? It's not that I was, tell me every little thing you're doing, report on every little thing, but it was like, I'm going to ask you a million questions. And every time we talk, I'm going to be like, are, you know, what do you want to do 10 years from now? And like, just, just try to communicate as much as you possibly can, because one nice thing is no other job she could be doing is going to get her direct one-on-one time with an experienced CEO like you. If all she gets as compensation is that meeting, if you're generous with your time and really connect with her, that's almost worth it on its own, I think. Yeah, the over communication and the and the recurring conversation piece is going to solve this problem. It's going to be my check, and I. It's always the simplest solution, though. Like the, mm-hmm. <laughs> listen, I've done. I, this is going to work out. Um, just a quick update on some of the work she's been doing. She found a. I'm, I'm interested in talking to you about this too at another time. Um, we're we're going to have to start reaching out to people directly to 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 grow like you know so she found uh, she's been building a database one of our our our, go- our driving goal together is to acquire 150 clients by the end of the year that's our stretch goal our base goal is 75 clients um i have no doubt we'll hit 75 clients how do, 150 is a stretch like that that's mm-hmm. hard so the um you know we, we we sort of backed off of her research in the real estate market and and said listen like if we if we have if we can find fifteen hundred qualified leads, you know, p- meaning people who buy their own health insurance um, in Utah, then we should be able to you know get ten of those people as clients by the end of the year. So she's been working on building a list and you know of real estate agents to reach out to. I've been working on the messaging, so we're tag teaming you know the two big roadblocks that we have. At some point, we're going to have to start reaching out to people on that list via email. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm nervous about that. And I'd like to talk to you about it at some point, you know, how to do that in a way that isn't sales, isn't slimy, isn't, um, isn't, uh, spammy. Have you read about like on indie hackers and stuff, all the like cold email advice they have? No, there's a, uh, the, the kind of indie hacker bootstrap community. This is a pretty established playbook, I think. And if I'm not mistaken, convert kit, uh, grew a lot with this. And I think I'm spacing out on the name of their founder, but I think he wrote a guide to this. I think his, name's, he Na- did it. his name's Nathan. Is it? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But um, there are like guides to this. I think ConvertKit was one of them. Maybe it's not the right fit for you because you're a consumer in their business. I don't know, but I- I'm happy to talk through it. I- it sounds like an interesting topic. Also, I've never done this before, so everything will be purely academic from my point of view. <laughs> Here's what I would like to do then. I, I think what I should do is do some research on this and come up with a game plan of how we're going to reach out. And then I would like to run it by Tyler for the, uh, does this pass the no sales test? Okay. I that want you to be like my, no, like as <laughs> I, I, I want you to be my accountability person on, I, I'm realizing that no sales is going to be the solution here. Mm-hmm. I think it was also the solution that people keep in Zane benefits. And if we had gone d- further in that direction at the time, to, to no sales, we would have had a much more, even more success. Um, and I know that I have a tendency to sell. I can get kind of excited. So uh, anyway, I want, I would love you to be, you know, sort of my, my check on that stuff. Great. Sounds like fun. Cool. That's all I got. Yeah. Same. Anything else you want to, you want to say? Nope. I'm all good. Cool. I stopped sneezing. Yeah. Good job. Oh, thank you. It took like 30 Congrats. minutes. <laughs> Uh, all right, hey everyone, thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, I have two favors to ask. First, please write a review 
on the podcast app of your choice because reviews play a huge role in helping other people discover useful podcasts. Second, if you know any founders or aspiring founders of independent startups, please tell them about Startup to Last. And if you'd like to review uh, past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. We'll see you next week. See ya.